everybody. Sorry, we had some technical difficulties on our end here. Today, we're going to be talking about Rachel Zegler once again and Snow White because the story continues to stay in the news. But we're hopefully going to cover it from an interesting angle today. So let's get into it. Alright guys, welcome to the program. It is Wednesday, which means we've hit the sweet middle of the week. <laughs> Hopefully you guys have been having a good week so far. And uh, let me know what you guys are getting up to. Today we're going to be talking about Rachel Zegler once again. If you don't know that name or it sounds unfamiliar, where have you been? Are you Patrick Starr living under a rock? Because she is supposed to be playing Snow White in the new Disney remake that is coming out in 2024. And she's had quite a rocky road of PR so far, and the movie is not even ready yet, guys. <laughs> this is just initial PR for this Disney movie. Now, we all know back in the day, Disney used to be really strict about PR when it came to its films. If you were a Disney kid, a Disney actress, actor, you're going through extensive PR training. You have the expected things that you are meant to say, the approved narrative, the approved dialogue, and all for the betterment of Disney's marketing and making sure that they get people in the seats at the theater when the movie comes out. But it seems like maybe Disney has loosened the reins, their hold on them for at least a little bit now, and Rachel Zegler has been running amok and talking all about this new role that she will be playing as Snow White and how it has been reimagined. The the famous line, uh, what did she say? It's it's not uh, 1937, it has been circulating all over the internet, and people are pissed, right? because she's playing this iconic role that, you know, people are dying to, to be in the same position as her. And she's talking about how the movie is dated. It needs to be redone. Snow White is not going to be some, uh, you know, victim of the patriarchy as she was in the 1937 version of the movie. And she's in fact going to be a girl boss feminist who don't need no man, is not wishing for true love, and becomes a leader all on her own accord. For what is the purpose of other movie characters? In fact, what even is the purpose of having a prince in the film? He's really just a stalker, right? He doesn't really move the plot forward. In fact, maybe we could cut him out of the movie altogether. Let's hear it from Rachel Zegler herself. The original cartoon came out in 1937, and very evidently so. <laughs> um, there is a big focus on her love story. Um, with a guy who literally stalks her. Yeah. <laughs> weird. Weird. Super weird. So we didn't do that this time. Cast a guy in the movie, right. Andrew Burnap. Great dude. All of Andrew's scenes could get cut. Who knows? It's Hollywood, baby. Ah, <sighs> you know, she's had better moments. <laughs> And I know she's had better moments because I personally am a fan of Rachel Zegler. I want to put that out there. I followed her career for quite some time before she even had what we would call a career. When she was posting YouTube videos, singing Broadway tunes that I happen to love myself, being a musical theater nerd. And she is undoubtedly talented beyond belief. If you guys got to see uh, the new West Side Story that was directed by Steven Spielberg, she starred in alongside Ansel Elgort, played a beautiful Maria, and really it was a role that I feel was basically made for her. Snow White, not so much. Uh, even in just referencing the fact that Snow White is meant to be the, the fairest of them all, it's not quite the fit for a Hispanic actress, but 
I digress. We can we can cast that aside. We've already talked about the diversity hiring and the seven magical creatures that will now replace the seven dwarves, which is just a travesty if you've seen the original 1937 version of the film. More so uh, than anything, the backbone of that film is the seven dwarves. So to see that stripped has already taken off massive points for me. But the PR surrounding Rachel Zegler and her task of taking on this lead role has done even worse for their marketing. Here is an article posted by the Daily Mail, and I'll just read the headline so you get a, a picture of what people are thinking regarding this film. It says, exclusive branding experts warn that Rachel Zegler backlash could ruin Disney's big budget Snow White remake and predict executives will be having crisis talks in order to win back fans ahead of the 2024 release. Maybe loosening the reins on your PR training was not the smartest thing to do here. I don't think Disney anticipated that people really coveted the film, Snow White, that it really has a deep and strong emotional place in their childhoods and throughout their lives. And maybe that film from 1937 did not need to be reimagined. And if it was going to be modernized and brought to an audience in 2024, maybe they should have kept the backbone of the storyline itself, which of course is the young woman Snow White going out, attempting to find true love and an evil witch who tries to stop her along the way because she wants to be the fairest of them all. It's really as simple as that. I even took the time to go back and watch the 1937 film again to see what all the the deliriousness was about, what everybody was talking about. Why is this whole frenzy happening over the, the feminist interest of this film? Let's go check it out. I watched it and I saw a beautiful, simple storyline where in fact Snow White herself was quite the feminist. She faced a lot of adversity throughout the film, took it head on, bossed around those seven dwarves who are grown ass men living in their little cottage and made sure that they did the thing that they went they, they needed to do fed them when they got home from work and went about her business. What's, what's patriarchal about that? But of course now the idea of patriarchy is that if you are a woman who wants love, if you are a woman who wants to find a man, if you are a, a woman who is, you know, dreaming to find the one you love today, as Snow White sings in, in the film, you aren't a feminist, right? You're not girl bossing hard enough. <laughs> we must girl boss harder. And girl boss means no love. Girl boss means not finding a significant other who cares for you. And we all know, if you're a woman watching this right now, if you had a prince like the prince in Snow White chasing after you and trying to find you so that he could become your husband, you wouldn't be complaining. Let's be real. We can all act like that's the worst thing in the world to have a man pursue you in the way that the prince did in this 1937 film, but it's not. In fact, it only becomes a problem for most women when you're not attracted to the man who is trying to pursue you. But that's a topic for another time. <laughs> Are now, you condoning a non-consensual kiss, Amala? That's, that's violent of you. You know what? As I said before, if I am knocking on death's door and it takes a kiss from some random man to wake me up, Go ahead, come on, bring, bring out the lineup because I don't wanna die, ladies and gentlemen. And it's not like the prince just comes up out of nowhere and grabs a fully awake Snow White to kiss her. He knows the kiss is to save her life. <laughs> and she has been wishing and dreaming that he would come and find her the entire film. If you watch this film, you might think Snow White's the weirdo. She sees this guy one time and is automatically in love, wants to find him again, wants to marry this dude. 
And guess what? The feeling is mutual. And what a lucky girl she is to have that feeling be mutual. <laughs> because so how often are we rejected by the people that we actually want in our lives? Hey. I'm I saw just a good comment facts. from Yvonne here in the chat. She says, uh, Prince and Princess should get together because love's a part of growing up and Snow White is about growing up as a woman. So there you go. I mean, it it's a, it's a, about growing up and also like just part of a fulfilling life for a young woman and a young man is generally finding a partner, finding true love. And so uh, the, they put that in the original story uh, because that is like a human universal that people can relate to. And to your point a minute ago, like before we go reimagining these stories and putting all these modern themes in it, let's at least, you know, make a live action version that's true to the original. That's all you really have to do. Like, like uh, in Lord of the Rings, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of that, but like they did such a good job. Those movies won so many Oscars and were so universally beloved because they, Peter Jackson, the director said our goal and the way that we wanted to honor Tolkien was to put his messages in the movie and not our own. And so Disney can start by like honoring the original messages of Walt Disney, of the people who created Snow White in the first place. And then if you want to take artistic license and do all these reimaginations and stuff like that, yeah, that's fine. But uh, if you do it, if you get that order wrong, you're going to end up continuing to lose money like they've lost $900 billion, I think, in their last several releases. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, and there's a way to to do this and change a movie, but do it successfully. Like, do it in a way where you still show appreciation for the source material that you are utilizing, especially when that source material is in the place of, of Snow White. If you think about the history of Snow White with Disney, this is their first the first movie of its kind like this to go to remake it in today's time and to just completely just like dog on it all over the place right probably not the smartest move considering it is so foundational to what disney is as a company today now it very well could be that rachel zegler got immense PR training on this, and this is the PR package that they that they handed her and said, this is what we want you to say when you go out there and do it. And if that is the case, then she's falling on her sword on behalf of the Disney executives who who told her to, to go and say these things. I want to leave room for that being the possibility. But I've seen now a trend that is going viral on TikTok of people redoing the Rachel Zegler interview based on different movies. Uh, people have done Mulan, they've done uh, The Princess and the Frog. Here's one of a woman reinventing this now iconic interview, talking about playing Little Bo Peep. I just mean that it's not 1805 anymore, and the Little Bo Peep I'll be portraying does not lose her sheep. <laughs> her sheep were stolen from her by a man. <laughs> My mother first sang the nursery rhyme to me as a little girl. I remember thinking, little Bo Peep sounds like a bitch. Why is she sitting at home, a place in which I think a, a woman should never find herself, waiting for the sheep to return? My Peep will be going out and retaining her sheep in a much more empowering way, right? She's kicking ass, she's taking names, she's climbing the corporate ladder and slaying wolves. Um, she's becoming the shepherd and the farm leader that Mother Goose always intended her to be. <laughs> Don't get me started on Toy Story's depiction of Little Bo Peep. I mean, a romance with Woody, that's insane. No, Little Bo Peep can take care of herself. I think everyone knows what that big staff is for. <laughs> and that is truly how it feels to watch some of these interviews these days. And I don't want to just like single out Snow White, although that is like the, the, the launch pad for this discussion. It's all movies now. Every single woman in a movie right now is just like this feminist girl boss. It's reimagined. We're doing the new thing. We have to, we have to make it this sort of 
extraordinary and often unrealistic depiction of of womanhood. And here you go. Even though we know you don't want it and we know you don't like it, here's the packaging that you're going to get. They're going to like remake Mulan again. And I don't know, they're going to turn Mulan into like a trans character, I bet. If you think about it, if you think about it, Mulan is this woman who's not exactly all that feminine and wants to go and, you know, join the military to on the on behalf of her family to save them. Might as well make Mulan into a man. Just do it. And then Cinderella, who's supposed to be, you know, this impoverished, somewhat abused member of society, instead of marrying the prince and, and getting to royalty that way, she'll just overthrow the government. It'll be some sort of like a socialist communist uprising. And that's how she'll become uh, the princess in, in her new rendition of this film. <laughs> oh. Replacing another female hero with a, with a male is, you know, definitely another W for the feminists there. So I love the yes. idea. Yeah, yeah. I It's coming to you in, in 2027, I bet. You guys just wait. It, it's coming. Now, this video is circulating of Rachel Zegler. And I just want it for the record. I keep seeing this video everywhere and everybody's saying... Yeah, stuck on me. Oh, there we go. <laughs> every, everybody's saying, Rachel Zegler is apologizing and she's coming forward to talk about things. I'll show you a little clip of the video. But we'll fact check. This is not a video in reference to Snow White. Before I show it, video is going to get taken out of context, and I know that at this point I can't really stop people from doing that because that's what my whole existence on the internet is—is is just me being taken out of context and stuff, uh, which is fine. That's what I signed up for, isn't it? Um, but I never wanted to come off as me being ungrateful for the opportunities I have when I say that this has been the biggest adjustment of my life, like understanding the way my life operates now, being who I am, and the things that I've been so fortunate to make. It comes with so much ground, so much ground that I never thought I would be able to cover and that people think I'm doing poorly and other people think I'm doing gracefully. And so there's there's a little clip of the video. Everybody's tearing up. Rachel Zegler, this is not an apology. Blah blah blah. You need to like stand for the things that you've said about Snow White or whatever. And like this is not enough. And boohoo, she's complaining. Whatever. This video is from like a year ago, over a year ago, guys. So this is not in reference to Snow White. It's in reference to other films that uh, she has been she has been cast in. But nonetheless. I do want to give a, a little bit of voice to what she was saying in that video. She has been sort of thrust into, uh, you know, dominance in this industry in, in, in many ways, just taking on film after film right out of the gate. I mean, one of her first major motion picture was West Side Story. Then after that, she gets booked for the, the Hunger Games uh, prequel that is now coming out on, on Thanksgiving. And then you have Snow White, a Disney film. Now she's lucky beyond belief, right? That's an amazing thing that, you know, here living in L.A., the actresses running around here could only wish to have opportunities like that fall in their lap. And that needs to be understood. But maybe she wasn't fully prepared to uh, go out there. And most of the celebrities that we see who keep a really buttoned up presence and do really well on media, we all know that's not actually what they're like in real life. They are painting you a picture and they're damn good at painting that picture so that controversy like this doesn't pop up. So the only fault really to be had here is that she wasn't trained in sort of turning the smile on and doing the Disney, you know, pre-packaging for this movie like she should have been. And is that her fault? A little. Is it the fault of Disney and the people who manage this and who are supposed to, you know, bring this forward to the public? A lot. <laughs> and more so than anything, it's the fault of the people who decided to remake this movie and remake it in a feminist, woke, modernized light. Because that should have never been done in the first place. 
but Rachel Zegler is becoming uh, the fall guy or the fall woman, as we say in, in today's time, because we can't misgender, for all of the heat and controversy of this film. So that must be known. I have to at least give her a little bit of little bit of leniency on that department. I think that's very, very kind of you. Very fair. I mean, she has embraced the success that she's gotten with a fair amount of, look, shall we call it youthful bravado? Yeah. Um, and being willing to so be sort of cavalier with her opinions and stuff. But again, you can chalk that up to just being young and inexperienced and maybe poorly trained. But there, there is sort of a little bit of a lack of self-awareness that I think you you have to admit to. And there's yes. one more uh, controversy that she was in the center of uh, in that we had. I don't think we mentioned yet of the DC film um, Shazam 2. She was in that, the daughter of atlas uh as athena and they asked her on the red carpet like you're in this dc movie that when playing this legendary character a part of this universe what does it mean to you and she was like well i just needed a job so that's why i'm here so just yeah. yet another example of just kind of like man somebody missed their their media training class yeah. she probably should have watched princess diaries and learned a little bit of grace or something uh before she was paraded out there so we can give her a little bit of benefit of the doubt but uh, yeah. definitely a lack of self-awareness i think yeah and you know what there's going to be people who love it and there's going to be people who hate it i bet there's a whole camp of people out there that go i love rachel zegler because rachel zegler is real she spits it straight she says what she's truly thinking and you don't get that from celebrities these days and there's room for people who appreciate that there's also room for people who uh, who don't <laughs> right now we are we're hearing quite a bit from the people who don't and I imagine there's going to be silence uh, until they figure out how to spin this and spin it properly I bet the executives are in many a meeting regarding this film now I it begs the question how could Rachel Zegler have gone out there and done PR for this film while still maintaining what the film is about but doing so in a way that actually was graceful and I found this video of Elle Fanning doing uh, some press for her role of Aurora in Maleficent, which you all will remember if you saw that movie. And she speaks about Disney's packaging of these films and how they love to reimagine female characters. I'll let her speak for what she's done with her role. To play this character again, yes. what has changed in Aurora aside from what we've seen? I think it's really special to revisit her and show her in a new chapter of her life. You know, she's queen of the Moors now and gaining her independence and finding her power and, but being an individual, who does she want to be? And, you know, being able to make her own decisions. And I think a lot of Disney films also, they, when a sequel comes, they expect the princess to then like be in armor and have a sword and fight and like, oh, that makes her strong. And, and you know, of course there are princesses that it's necessary like Mulan she's a fighter that's in her DNA and and Aurora is a fighter but in a different way I think there's a strength in her femininity mm -hmm. and softness and there's nothing wrong with her wanting to be a mother and and be married and and you know my mom is a always wanted to be a mom and I think there's a beauty in that and that is still strong so it's nice to represent that you know kind of woman and that's there you go isn't that beautifully stated and somehow we've lost the plot when it comes to what Elle Fanning just said there we have lost that message that somehow femininity is 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 can be strong that's what we used to say right I, I don't know I grew up thinking that you could be feminine and still be a strong individual for the most part where did we drop that ball where now we equate being a feminine character and being in your feminine energy, as they say these days, 
to being weak, because that's not the case at all. In fact, in going and watching the 1937 version of Snow White, she has this moment, as I said before, where she comes and meets the, the seven dwarves, and this girl just rocks up into their house, and she's like, I'm gonna chill here for a little bit. <laughs> and she and she cleans and starts baking pies, which is a feminine thing to do, okay? And then they show up and they go, who the hell is in my house right now? I don't know, who's this girl? And they go to like almost club her <laughs> to death. And she wakes up and she's like, oh, hi. You know, like, I'm just gonna chill here. I'll make you guys some dinner. They agree, she does so. And she's like, hey, before you're gonna come sit at my table to eat the food that I've cooked, go wash your hands and go do it. And guess what? All of these seven men in unison go and listen to what this woman had to say. 1937, remember what that time period looks like. 1937, this is what was happening in that film. And somehow she's not strong. Somehow she is, uh, you know, too feminine. And that she does, she's not a real leader. Huh? Huh? <laughs> it's just crazy to me. You can cook and clean and do, do all these things and be beautiful and graceful and, you know, uber feminine while still being a very strong female lead and there's a reason that the movie did as well as it did i mean it grossed over 400 million dollars and if you think about a budget that you would have had for a film in 1937 i think it was like 1.5 million dollars to make that film it speaks for itself that people love it and that now when you try to do this new rendition of it nobody wants to go watch it that's it guys those are the facts and Maybe we just need to work on re-spinning this tale. Hopefully they're gonna do their best to pick the plot back up because they lost it. Do you think this movie's it. gonna flop, Amala? You said that you think people might go hate watch it, but we did do a poll yeah. in the chat and 94% uh, of you are saying you are not planning on going to see the, the Snow White mm -hmm. movie when it comes out. It's great and maybe a biased audience, but... You know, you know, I'm going to go watch it because I, we always do the series on this channel where we go and watch the sort of woke films that come out. I do think there is going to be an element of people going to watch this movie just to see if it, you know, validates their opinion on it being a bad movie and just see how just how woke it does become. And in, in repackaging the story, when I was watching the original and thinking about the elements that they said, she's not going to find true love or that's not going to be the main part of the movie. Uh, she's going to be a leader herself and she's not going to be like saved by a man. These three things. If you take those three things out of the plot of Snow White, you don't have a plot. I'm like, I'm not understanding. You have the evil queen going after her and then what? How does she save herself if she's been poisoned and, you know, the, is, does she home alone it? And she like Kevin McAllister's the, the, the evil queen and figures out before she gets to the, the, the den how to... <laughs> to like drop a bowling ball on her head or something i don't understand you you lose the plot if you try to change those elements of the story so i'm gonna go see it in theaters just to see like what do you mean you've reimagined it how could you what what's the storyline yeah yeah they've they've clearly indicated that they're changing it so much that it is going to be something entirely different from what snow white means to everybody when you say we're remaking Snow White. Whatever they're doing is not going to be uh, what that expectation is. So it's more like to if you're going to go at this point, it's more to see how either how they've butchered it or you're just pre-bought into you know these that that skit we watched a minute ago. The hmm. it could have been the writers' room of She-Hulk or Velma or or productions <laughs> like that. It's it, that you know uh, how these 
there's a certain type of, you know, typically interesting hair colored sort of person who thinks a certain way and really is aggressive with their worldview. And so uh, the way that they're marketing this movie lends itself to making you think that you're, that's what you're going to get if you go see it. And that, of course, is put it off putting to the vast majority of people who just would rather see a true adaptation of Snow White. So I do think I agree with you that it's probably going to flop, but there's going to be hate watching. And then there's going to be people who are just woke and want to see the reimagination because they love that stuff. Yeah, I mean, we will see. Disney has been hit or miss, but mainly miss on on their films. Y'all saw that I watched Little Mermaid. I didn't really dislike Little Mermaid all that much. I had my qualms with the film, of course, and there was some wokeness implemented in it. But it seems like this one's going to be a whole new realm of that kind of stuff. Now, that's it for my Snow White ranting for you guys. I could do more. Trust me. I could do more. <laughs> I know a lot of people are like, why do you why do you care about this movie so much? It's not even that I do. It's just that it sparks so many interesting thoughts in my mind about the current state of our culture and media and entertainment. So I could uh, talk about that till my mouth falls off. Now we're going to get into some just interesting TikToks that I've been finding and we're going to react to some of these. Here's one. And I see this woman who podcasts and I think she's part of the Man Enough podcast. Yeah, there's the watermark. The Man Enough podcast with... Uh, is it Justin Baldoni? You guys can confirm that in the comments below, who was in Jane the Virgin, that TV show. And here's a clip where she's talking about the Barbie movie and the idea of matriarchy. <laughs> and I had to share this with you because I had no idea what this woman was saying. And I want you guys to maybe tell me what she's saying. People are saying, you know, Barbie Yo. Land is, is, is a matriarchy or it's feminism. Matriarchy actually is, is completely different from, from, from patriarchy. It's, they're not inverted. Our world is patriarchal. So all we know is a world that's built around hierarchies and order and yeah. competition. And so we think if women take over, it's going to be order, competition, and women at the top and men at the bottom. But actually, it's a whole different system. It's not a hierarchy. It's a circle. Motherhood tends to be at the center. Everyone is a parent, and, yeah. you know, and, and that includes men and children belong to everybody. And so it creates a, a world that's more kind and caring for the environment sure. because it's mother. It's a woman. And because we value women, we're going to treat her differently. And you could argue that one of the reasons why we do treat the planet as a commodity and as something to extract and, and, and exploit, and it's our own environment. Like we're, we're like trashing our own house. If we called it Father Earth, maybe we would have yeah. more respect for it. <sighs> so many buzzwords. <laughs> Just so many different things. I just want to point out one thing, right? That she said it's it's not a hierarchy, right? She goes, it's not a hierarchy, meaning, you know, like we have our leaders and everybody listens to the person above them. She's like, it's a circle with motherhood, at, with mothers at the center. And I just want to let you guys know that, like, if you say it's not a hierarchy, but then you say it's a circle, but you have something at the center, it's a hierarchy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so I just had to make that point and I think nobody makes the point better I need to show this clip from the office <laughs> if you want to get rich all right no um how is this not a pyramid scheme all right let me explain again <laughs> Phil has recruited me and another guy now we are getting three people each the more people to get involved the more people who are investing the more money we're all gonna make it's not a pyramid scheme it is a it's not even a scheme per se it's It's a circle. Right, right. It's not a hierarchy. It's just a circle with something in the center. <laughs> um, but 
Anyways, I, I of course I do understand, uh, you know, in principle what she's saying. She's saying that because we live under a patriarchy, if we reimagine where a world where women lead, we shouldn't reimagine it in the same structure of our current patriarchy. And maybe it would be more of a communal, everybody has ownership of everything, and you know, we focus on motherhood and the the creation of families at the center of that matriarchy. And while that sounds beautiful, many a red flag was raised when I heard what she said. Uh, the biggest one is that our children you know, everybody owns our children, which is very similar to what you heard the president of the United States say in this little, uh, I guess I, I, it was kind of a commercial that they put out about the LGBTQ community and protecting trans kids. And he mentions that the kids are, we, we all own the kids. They're not your kids. They're everybody's kids. They are our kids. And that sounds like a beautiful thing, right? It takes a village. We all take care of one another. But my kids are not your kids. Uh, my kids are not our kids. My kids are my kids. Uh, and uh, we make decisions as a, as a family unit, as in one unit as in not some sort of communal, because we're all mothers, we all, you know, take care of everybody else's children and everything like that. And I do find it hard to believe that a matriarchy would not have similar elements of competition. Now, we might not be competing for the same things, as women and men often do not compete for the same things, but humans are competitive by nature. So I don't think that element leaves if you instate some form of matriarchy over the world. I think it just takes a different form. And again, I hate the argument over matriarchy this, patriarchy that. Neither. We coexist with one another. We all take on forms of leadership. And we, we take on those forms of leadership in very different ways because men and women, on a general basis, of course, there are exceptions, value different things. And it's almost tried and true. I mean, in the most egalitarian societies where we were pushing, you know, women into spaces that we once thought they were marginalized, you know, into the positions of CEO and STEM and all this stuff, women go, yeah, that's cool, okay, and some of us will take on that job, but I wanna be a nurse. I wanna be a teacher. I wanna be, you know, taking care of people. I want to be working with people while, while men tend to take on more of the positions that we're trying to force women into. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. Now, does that mean we live in a patriarchy? Like, I hate when people look at the list of CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and they go, there's a ton of men there, therefore patriarchy. No. First of all, there are women who are totally capable of taking on those positions and they don't, or they do. But women express their dominance and their leadership in other areas of our society. And it's not one living without the other. We all live together and we work together. It's not no matriarchy versus patriarchy. And how we constantly find ourselves in the state of having this discussion of men this, women that. Ugh. Are y'all not tired? <laughs> because I'm It tired. is exhausting, yeah. Um, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, they have the thing called Occ Occam's Razor. The simplest you know, explanation is kind of the most likely. And if we just take the obvious truth that men and women are equal and and in dignity and worth and everything, but different. Mm -hmm. And then we apply that to society at large. How do we you know, structure society or whatever? Uh, we should be aiming for something that is built on those two assumptions that men and women are, or those two facts that men and women are equal, uh, but different. And then we figure out how to 
have harmony, how to operate, you know, in a complementary way, instead of saying, well, well, patriarchy has been dominating and now we need matriarchy. It's like, you're not going to solve it by swinging the pendulum one way or another. I'm kind of reminded of the Barbie movie kind of explored this and it was kind of unclear to me what they were actually positing as the way forward. It's like, Mm -hmm. we have a matriarchy, the men are here now and we kind of acknowledge them, but you know, you're still not going to get on the Supreme court because out of vengeance or something like that. I don't know, but just saying like, it's pretty clear, like where we should be going. It should be pretty obvious that, you know, we should just consider each other equal, consider each other or acknowledge that we're different, but also figure out how to live in harmony and, uh, you know, build a society where, yeah, that's, that's complimentary. It seems pretty straightforward. Yeah. And we're in the best possible place to do this. I will let people know, right. That, you know, real patriarchies for the most part, don't allow for discussion as to whether or not we live under a patriarchy. Uh, that's typically not happening. And if it is happening, it's happening in some friggin' underground basement through fear of being killed by the patriarchy itself. Uh, if you can openly as a woman, you know, like parade through the streets, like with your top off and your boobs out and scream about how much we live in a patriarchy and how horrible it is while also being the CEO of a five fortune 500 company and really doing whatever it is that you want with your life, you probably don't live in a patriarchy. Just probably not. And if you do, it is the most like lukewarm, distilled version of a patriarchy you could probably have. Anyways, another trend that I've been noticing on TikTok, outside of talking about the patriarchy and Snow White and people recreating the the now iconic Rachel Zegler interview, is people speaking up about gender theory. And it's now stronghold in many parts of our society and saying, you know what, I'm noticing some inconsistencies here and I'm noticing some things I don't like. And I'm increasingly seeing women take to TikTok to espouse these views and they're not getting banned, which is funny because every time I post any video on TikTok that has anything to do with gender, it's almost immediately taken off the platform. But more and more now, I'm seeing this type of video. Let's hear it. I'm going to say something that might be controversial, but I literally don't give a fuck anymore because I'm really sick of it. A lot of trans women bring over their misogynistic traits from when they grew up, and they like to speak over biological women's pain. But apparently nobody's ready for that conversation, and I'm really fucking sick of it. It's the same thing with gay men who are super fucking misogynistic and speak over women. Have a good day. Okay. This got 368,000 likes. I think it opens up a little bit of a conversation. Something I've been thinking about recently because I've been seeing videos of trans women, aka biological men, hopping on the internet to belittle biological women, which is just like crazy. It's it's astounding. It's it's wild. I've seen um one video where a trans woman goes, you know, the reason that there are so many TERFs and, you know, biological women who don't want us to be a part of their camp is because we're going to come steal all of their men. <laughs> it's because their men want us, uh, was the, the logic behind why maybe it is that biological women do not want the term woman changed. They do not want the term mother changed. They do not want the term chest feeding or breastfeeding, whatever. Oh my gosh, I used the wrong word. Breastfeeding changed. Maybe it's more to do with the actual foundation of human thought <laughs> and sex and science than it has anything to do with you coming and stealing 
somebody's boyfriend. I'm just going to go out on a strong limb and say that that's the case. Another one recently, a powerlifter who is a biological man entered a female powerlifting competition. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> who would have guessed it, right? And then in a video on the internet saying, you know, I, I don't understand why women, why women can't bench and deadlift more. I don't understand. It should be should be easy. I don't I don't understand why they don't do better in their in their powerlifting. You know, in the in their competitions. Huh? You don't understand? <laughs> you don't understand how your bone density, lung capacity, hand size, foot size, muscle strength, how any of that might affect your competition against a biological woman? Are we really that delusional? Have we distorted reality that much that you truly don't understand why women can't bench and deadlift more than you can? <laughs> and lastly, a video where a trans woman was comparing themselves to, to biological women and referred to biological women as incubators. Incubators. Why would I want to be an incubator, they said, about biological women? Of course, in reference to pregnancy, which is something that only biological women are, are capable of doing at the moment. I'm sure we're going to get new science on that where we do, you know, uterus transplants and uh, trans women are having their own pregnancies at the risk of a child's life. But we're not there yet, so I won't I won't rant about that yet. But we're just we are, incubators. We are at uh, male breastfeeding, by the way. So we not are too at, far away. We are at male breastfeeding. We are. We are at the point where if you are a biological male who wants to transition to be a female, you can start taking injections that create uh, that cause lactation, and you can then use uh, that lactation to feed a child. Real videos exist on the internet. I will not, you know, show you those videos because it's not necessarily family friendly. But that is real. And if that doesn't is not a sign of the times for how how little we care about women when we claim to, uh, I don't know what is. So while Disney's out making Snow White remakes that make you into a girl boss uh, who doesn't need a man and doesn't need true love and wakes herself up out of a coma somehow, while they're out making those films doing real work for women, uh, you can't even use the phrase women anymore. Now I'm a cis woman, right? I'm not a breastfeeder, I'm a chest feeder. <laughs> I'm not a mother, I'm a birthing person. I'm not a, a female, I'm a woman with a vagina. <laughs> I forget non-man. And I'm a non-man. That's another one. Johns Hopkins University on that one. So when she says that trans women bring a lot of the misogynistic traits that they learned from their childhood, she's not, she's right and she's wrong. M misogyny is present in their thinking, right? Because to think that a biological man could ever be a woman is misogyny at its very core. So these are not lessons that they learned as little boys in their childhood from mommy and daddy that they're taking. It's not that they watched Fox News when they were five years old and suddenly there's some crazy misogynist. It's that the, to think that you could ever be a woman in the first place is to be a misogynist. Sorry. I said it. <laughs> We're gonna get banned on YouTube for me <laughs> for this rant right now. But Facts. that's the reason, guys. That's the reason that they that they carry around misogynistic traits because they you could never understand what it means to be a woman. For all they know, we are incubators. For all they know, we are scared of them stealing our men. That's how delusional you have to be to even engage with this stuff in the first place. Had to be said. And 
I'm glad this woman said it. She sort of said it from some sort of, you can tell she's got some uh, maybe left-leaning tendencies in the way that she's thinking about these things. But it's very true. You will not see a stronger, uh, feel a stronger sense of misogyny than that from a trans woman who thinks that they have every right to call themselves the same thing that you are. And here we are. And it's going to keep being perpetuated because for some reason we've decided that this is like a marginalized class in our society and that we need to further whatever radical means they want to put forward, which is why we can't define a lesbian, we can't define a woman, we can't define a pregnant woman, we can't define a girl, we can't define female, even though we all, we all know what it means. But the question becomes, what does it happen when we all don't know what it means? What does it happen when the young kids who grow up now don't ever really learn the definition of what it means to be a woman and they get shown all these different versions of what womanhood looks like and then they grow up and then the next generation gets the new iteration of what it means to be a woman? Lots of things could happen. Probably would happen. And none of them good. So I'm so glad Disney's making a feminist remake of Snow White right now. <laughs> Why not cast a biological man for it? Let's do that. I'm sure it's coming, let's be honest. If, if I'm a, a Disney writer right now, we're, we're writing up that trans woman story arc ASAP. ASAP Rocky, we're getting that film out. <laughs> uh, so, you know what I see? We're in LA, of course, and I'm driving. I was driving yesterday and I saw the writers who were outside striking and they're still doing their like picket lines and whatever. And just like, baby, what are you returning to? What, what films are you going to bring back? I mean, it's clearly not good writing. I would have more sympathy for them if they were writing good films. And that I, that I truly felt like we were missing something in media and entertainment right now. Do you guys feel like you're missing something? Do you feel like you've been at a loss for good films and movies? I think I've been at a loss for good films and movies for the past 10 years. And it's not because the writers have been striking. It's because they've been in their offices. <laughs> <laughs> so... I wish, I wish, uh, like, they just responded to this by, like, okay, we just need new writers. Who wants to be a writer now? And, like, just people started stepping up who have never been writers in their lives and decide, you know, I feel like I could do some good storytelling. I'll take the job. And then we see what movies we get out of that. I think there is a revolution probably needed, uh, needed in media and entertainment. It might not be the revolution of pay, however. But again, I don't know the logistics. These people could be making pennies. And if that was the case, then sure, you should be paid more. And maybe that's why you're writing such horrible stuff like She-Hulk. <laughs> because you don't feel like you're being paid enough to put effort into your job. But the way I've always looked at working is you put the effort in and then the rewards come. But that's just me. <laughs> Taylor's just shaking his head. I mean, I think the audience is too. It's a little, it's been a great uh, few minutes of, of uh, ranting from you, but you know, nothing, nothing but facts, <laughs> nothing but facts. All I do is rant on this show, guys. It's just become a platform where I uh, springboard off of these topics <laughs> to just go absolutely. You woke up and chose violence today. I'm just as so, the kids say. I'm unhinged. I'm unhinged. <laughs> um, I don't even know what else do we, do we want to get into this Lord of the Rings Uh we can talk about we Lord can talk of the Rings. About this TikTok. So Here's I'll another never TikTok. Say no to that. Here's another TikTok that I found, and it says Lord of the Rings trilogy, but it's every scene where two female characters interact. Oh. Roll 
credits, guys. I thought that was just so funny. And I had to send it to Taylor because Taylor is a massive fan of Lord of the Rings. So I wanted to know his thoughts on the, the lack of feminism in Lord of the Rings, apparently. Give that writer a raise, whoever's <laughs> responsible for, for that quote. Speaking of great writing. No, uh, I don't, if you're, a, I mean, that's a funny TikTok. I can laugh at it with y'all. But uh, if you're, if you actually want to know the honest truth about the presence of feminism in Lord of the Rings, it's actually, I mean, and we're talking about like traditional feminism or whatever, like not the new woke crazy stuff, but it's actually a very like empowering movie. There's like a, one of the main characters is named Eowyn and she's a princess and she uh, is told to stay and, and with the women and children as the men go out to battle and actually disguises herself as a man and gets Mulan vibes. Maybe that's where they got it from. Who knows? Maybe Mulan's older and people are going to get mad at me for saying that. I don't know, but I'm just saying. Um, but Eowyn disguised herself, goes into battle, and ends up being the one who kills the Witch King of Angmar. Sorry to be nerdy, but uh, <laughs> at the in the final battle scene or whatever. And uh, she's she's there's like a prophecy that no no man can kill him, and she's the one that does it. But then she still ends up, you know, falling in love with one of the. Uh, princes of the other kingdom and, and you know it has this awesome love story but she's very like feminine and and never like out dueling men in sword battles and that type of stuff like we saw with the remake of Galadriel and Amazon's Rings of Power she was they they did the girl boss thing with her and there's a reason why you didn't hear about it uh, and that that's really fallen off after they spent a billion dollars on it and there's a reason why there's timeless beloved uh just your support for Lord of the Rings and uh, people identify with that Galadriel or with glad with the original Galadriel and with characters like Eowyn because they are actually empowering figures, but they don't lose their femininity or sacrifice it on the altar of girl bossiness or trying to be men or anything like that. So there's my little rants on the presence of, you know, good female role models and, and feminism in Lord of the Rings because it's there. You can achieve realistic depictions of female leadership. You really can. And it doesn't always have to be like this crazy woman who constantly outdoes men and like is like kind of like snarky. And you always have those like comments where it's like, oh, fine, I'll do it myself type of woman in these movies. It's just not real. BFFR, give me something real. Like if I can't buy in to what's happening in front of me, it's, it's not going to work. And this is not to say the general public hates strong female leads. If you do a strong female lead and you do it well, people appreciate it. I'm thinking of like Hunger Games, one of my favorite series, a film series to to ever be made. Not that they're really that, that great. I just really love the books and love to watch the films. Katniss Everdeen and that whole story arc is loved by people across the board. The love for that story does not have a gender. And she is what would be known as a girl boss in today's time. She's definitely uh, a, a character who's moved forward. The, the characterization of women in film. And people loved it. And there's many other stories. I, you guys could throw a million examples in the chat down below of movies that feature strong female leads that if the story is done right, and is like something that you can actually buy into and appreciate, nobody cares. It just becomes when you, when you are like some like self-aware gremlin in your writing where it's like you have to constantly reference the fact that she is a woman. You have to constantly reference the fact that she's doing better than other men. Constantly reference that she doesn't need a, a man or whatever. People just get sick and tired of it. It's just lazy. It's lazy and it's stale. 
it's like, like a, a, it's lazy and it's like an insecurity almost like, oh, she can't really be a hero unless she never shows weakness, unless she, you know, acts like a male hero would in every possible instance. And like you yes. said, it just becomes unbelievable. Just be secure in the fact that it's a woman, she can be feminine, but also heroic and also courageous in her own way. And as you're talking, I'm, the examples are coming to my mind, like uh, Sigourney Weaver's character in the Alien movies. Mm-hmm. Uh there's, uh, we just watched the pilot of Alias. I, I used to watch that show back in the day and I tried to get my wife on it again, but Sydney Bristow, Jennifer Garner plays her, is like a CIA agent, super intelligent, speaks all these languages, super badass, but is still really accessible and feminine and authentic. And Dana Scully in the X-Files, we watched that this last year, medical doctor, FBI agent, totally fearless, totally awesome. They had something in the 90s called the Scully effect of uh, there was actually a market increase in women pursuing like medical careers and FBI agents stuff because she was this empowering figure but still very much feminine she's like she wrestles with pregnancy and her desire for kids and all that like throughout so anyways you're they we used to understand this in hollywood they used to get it they used to know how to make believable but awesome female characters and female heroes and but the this new modern insistence that women can show no weakness they have to be a mary sue they have to be perfect uh and they have to be like men in in and not feminine at all. It just falls flat. And I can't wait for them to finally learn that lesson. Yeah. And you guys are throwing them in the comments. You guys are saying Hermione from Harry Potter, Katana, Tiana from Princess and the Frog. You guys wrote uh, Xena, Kim Possible, Mulan. There's just a million in here that that come to mind. I will say one modern writer, uh, Taylor Sheridan, who is responsible for like 1883, 1923, I think Yellowstone, uh, maybe partially Yellowstone as well. Or, or has written Yellowstone, um, writes a great female lead who is strong while also being feminine and just like appealing to feminine sensibilities. Uh, Elsa in 1883 is a great example of a strong female lead. Um, and there, there are just ways to do it and do it properly. But we're going to get into Super Chats, guys. Let's <laughs> we talk don't know, to you. You guys don't want us to rant about anything else? Yeah. Like, uh, got, Let plenty. us know if there's anything else. <laughs> yeah, gas in the tank. Wow. Uh, all right. Let's. I got kicked out for a second. Here we go. Uh, supers. Let's start with British Birdie says, I'm a feminine wo- woman. I love taking care of my family and I want to be a housewife, but I'm strong. If I wasn't, I wouldn't be here. I'd be non functional right now because I just lost my dad. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. That is not, I can't even fathom. Uh, what that what that is like for you Um, but you do point out something in your comment that I want to speak to and this idea of like caring for a family which is a really wonderful thing to do and I am glad that you're doing it I hope your your family appreciates that from you the idea that you know a man going out to work and bringing money home is patriarchy is just crazy to me there is a shared sense of reliance on each other when you are in a family structure, like like what you've just described in your comment. If you, if you had gone away and your family ha- had not had you anymore, say you you went on vacation for a couple weeks and they didn't have the things that you achieve on a daily basis, they'd realize their sense of reliance as well. Does that make you? Does that make your household a matriarchy? No, it's just a shared reliance on one another where we're all bringing things to the table that make what your family is work on a daily basis. And if you don't have one cog in the wheel, guess what? It's not rolling. It's not going anywhere. (laughs) So this idea that because a man brings money 
is patriarchy. It's patriarchy. It's just asinine to me. It's asinine to me. And maybe it points out that you have a, a, a wrong sense of value when it comes to what life is like and what truly is success and what truly is power. Yeah, just to add to that, I mean, first of all, I'm so sorry for your loss and we're I'm grateful that you're here and hopefully that, mm. you know, being here is giving you a little bit of comfort or, yeah. or, or, you know, if there's anything that we're doing that's helping you in any way, very grateful to, uh, that you're here and being a part of it. Um, but uh, going off of what you're talking about, Amla, about just patriarchy, I saw something on Twitter this week uh, of someone defending the idea of, you know, taking your name because there's this hot take about, you know, uh, when marriage, the women having to take the men's names and how it's patriarchal or whatever. And they kind of, to give the case against that said that traditionally uh, it was the man giving his committing to the woman so much so that he's saying, I'm giving you my name, putting my name on the line mm -hmm. to prove that you, I am responsible to provide for, to protect, to, you know, uh, just be there for uh, this this woman in my family. Now, maybe that's a dated thing nowadays. Maybe it's not as needed anymore. I'll leave room for that. But I think you you there's a charitable interpretation of that that is actually uh, has some nice connotations to it and is dutiful. And uh, things that we often interpret now as patriarchal, it's it's often loses that good faith uh, ability to interpret. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, all right, Alex Santeas says, hey there, guys, I'm Latino, and we don't claim crazy Ziegler. Uh, I think Ziegler, he meant uh, she ain't a normal Latina, just saying. <laughs> I'm sure there are many ways to be a Latina, but I get what you are what you are saying. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, there's, a, there's this sense that I think very quickly when entering the space of Hollywood, you can get very caught up in what is the approved narrative, and that very well may be what has happened with her. She's young. She's young. I, she might even be younger than I am. So I actually should look and see what, what is she actually is. Let me see. Rachel Ziegler. She's 22. So she's one year younger than I am. There's room. There's room for growth. 22 is 22, <laughs> y'all. 22 is 22. We all change and grow and evolve and hopefully she's on the trajectory. Indeed. All right. Must Pavlov Dogs uh, says, idea, a Jack and Jill movie where girl boss Jill doesn't go tumbling after a man. Instead, she builds a water slide on the hill to bring the water to her. <laughs> It'd be a very short movie. Uh, we know that much. <laughs> That's the thing. All of these things, if you just solve all your problems for yourself, right, what's the conflict of the movie? And therefore, what's the point of the movie? I'm telling you, when you go and watch the original Snow White, which I recommend you all do, you'll see the other characters are the backbone of the story. Even Some of them even more so than Snow White is. The new one's called Jill Goes Up the Hill and Jack Stays at the Bottom in Jail. <laughs> uh, Verity Deerdorf says, if you want a girl boss Snow White, just watch Mirror Mirror. No re need to remake it again. That is true. That. Yeah. A mirror, mirror. I think that's Lily Collins version of Snow White. And who is the other woman in it? Oh my gosh. She's one of the, she was one of the, one of the Jennifers, isn't she? Let me see. Lily Collins in mirror, mirror. You guys will have it in the comments. Julia Roberts, not the Jennifers, but Julia Roberts ah. is plays the, the queen. Interesting. So yeah, no, no more girl bossing needed apparently. Okay. Well, 
yet another nail in the coffin of this movie <laughs> <laughs> before it comes out. Uh, Alex says, referring to yesterday's video, it's funny how quickly the group devolves into racist attacks when money's on the line. Uh, something they claim to fight. Yeah, that video blew my mind. You guys should check out yesterday's video if you haven't seen it. Uh, it had me in a whole state. I, <laughs> it literally made my, you know, like when you get like pressure build up in your head because you're like angry about something and you're like, you your brain feels a little foggy. That video was starting to make me feel that way as I was watching it because I just couldn't, couldn't just stand some of the people who were present in that video. And the fact that like nobody truly was like, convicted enough to intervene and call them out on how shitty they were being ugh, made me upset to say the least yeah it was it was tough to watch i hate but, when uh, people go unchecked yeah that was not a good look for humanity that video no <laughs> uh maggie catherine says i think sw will flop snow white uh many are bashing it already because of rachel's attitude she'll bury the film if the pr doesn't get better even some libs are upset yeah, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I've, I've seen it. It's pretty unanimous on this film that the changing of the character is not what people want. And it's been interesting to see left-leaning people come forward and say, yeah, I'm all for a feminist narrative or whatever. But what do you mean you have to change all this stuff about Snow White? What do you mean she can't be in love? It's, things are starting to, people are starting to wake up and realize maybe things are getting a little bit too intense and a little bit too radical uh, in, in the idea scape of these films. Uh, Gary says, Rachel said there is a male character, so people will assume he's love interest, but there's a twist. I bet he's the bad guy and the queen is good. Hmm. Maybe. That'd be interesting. That'd be interesting. Considering Isn't that telling you can predict how these people think, though? Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, white male. Yeah, that's going to be the, the evil person. I, I hope that's not what happens. Oh, mm -hmm. my gosh. Uh, he might not be in the film at all, according to what she just said. She said he's like, he's the prince, which... If you, again, if you watch the original, the prince is not in the film r virtually at all. Snow White sees the prince for the first time in the beginning of the film. She immediately falls in love. He falls in love with her. They go their separate ways. He doesn't show back up again to the end of the film. They like allude to the fact that he's looking for her and searching all across the, the villages and wherever to, to find where she is, but he doesn't really show up till that final kiss. So to be so up in arms about somebody who's barely in the film is crazy. Franklin says, I agree with what Maggie said. Even the white erasure aside, Zegler has a nasty narcissistic personality that will make people not want to see the movie. My, maybe. I've watched a few of her interviews where I'm just like, it just seems like you're not trained up. That's what it is. Maybe there's an element of narcissism to that. We all saw this. We all saw, uh, we all saw this video. Just the way she says it. Ugh. Ugh. I'm like, you know what? Technically, I could get behind the message that she's putting forward. Like, if you've made a film and the film is being streamed on other platforms, maybe if your likeness is being used, there is some sort of payment that should be contracted for after you leave the role, right? That's reasonable. But when you look at me and go, if I'm going to stand for 18 hours in the dress of an iconic Disney princess, I deserve to be paid for every hour that it is streamed online. I'm like, ugh, don't pay her at all. Pay her zero dollars. <laughs> she should do it for free. She needs to work for free for a few more years now to build a sense of like uh, integrity to something other than her own narcissism. 
Goodness gracious. It's crazy how the way you say things really changes what comes out of your mouth. Really does. 100%. 100%. And that's, I mean, and, you know, so much of what you do on the show is built around communicating in a way that is compassionate, that's good faith, that will actually be heard by people who might disagree because uh, if you just go at people beating them over the head with your opinion or what you think to be true, even if you're right, it can not be heard. So right. uh, maybe sure. Rachel needs to watch some, some unapologetic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Jet, Jets a fizzle says, I think people using the words incubators or birthing people for women is enough proof for me that the aliens live among us. <laughs> oh no, the incubators are onto us quick. Engage the warp drive to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> That would be funny. What if this all was an alien invasion at the end of the day? Make a lot more sense than what's actually going on. And Cam, I think I'm not uh, on screen when anymore. So I'm just a, a voice floating. Is that true? Oh, no, I'm here. Yeah, you should be there. Okay, my bad. Um, this screen is cut off. I was looking at it. All right. Uh, AVJR says, I'm tired of the gender wars. That's why I don't listen to red pill elitists or feminist radicals. They just want drama. Let's be kind to each other. Yeah, you kind of get the same message, just in a different framing from both ends of the spectrum. I used to watch that stuff, and now I'm just like, oh, I'm tired. I'm tired, guys. <laughs> I can't watch it anymore. We're all tired of it. Uh <laughs> Alex Santayas says the monster that feminism created has now turned on them and they are finally understanding the damage they have actually done and are still causing. They're getting there. Yeah, buddy. Hopefully. Hot take. Uh, Cookie Kaiju just sends a super chat. No message. Thank you. Uh, Alex again says, you know, I want to, I really want to make fun of the 1975, but I won't today. I'm trying to be fair. Uh, but Taylor, my guy, what the heck is on your shirt, bro? What is on your shirt, bro? What is on my shirt? Okay, this I got at a brewery in uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Um, it's like a skeleton in like, you know, Da Vinci's man that he drew. Uh, it's like a skeleton like that who's got a sombrero on. It's kind of awesome. Taylor so, loves skulls. I do. And uh, I love uh, Halloween that's coming up. So yeah, that's we'll be exciting. rocking it all the more. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Becca Mac McWerther. McWerther says LTR I bet it'll be looking over the rainbow in theaters next summer. Oh, Lord of the Rings. It's going to be looking over the rainbow. Oh no. It's going to be something like that. Oh my goodness. Yeah, uh, I I think I heard they are like starting to do remake movies and stuff plans kind of like Harry Potter too and you're just like the sense of foreboding. It used to be just excitement like oh yeah, they're going to remake my favorite, you know, character or movie and now it's like Oh no, what are they going to do? Yeah, for me, like, when, when films used to come out based on, like, books or whatever or things that you love, the main worry used to be, like, oh, I wonder if he's actually going to be a blonde or if he's going to be a brunette or, like, if they're actually going to get his eye color right because I remember, you know, like, what I read in the book. Now it's, like, I wonder if the character's actually going to be anything like the character that's written in the book whatsoever, if they're going to completely, like feminize or or put in some sort of like woke narrative where n the book is just like is nothing is no there's nothing to be found from the book in the film <sighs> i i long for the days where we just had to worry about like whether or not our favorite character's hair was going to be the same as what they were described as in the book <laughs> <laughs> yeah if only that were the greatest concern right <clears throat> Like back back in Lord of the Rings days, it was oh they left out Tom Bombadil, which was this like massive like side you know rabbit hole in the uh -huh. book. But 
yeah, it was a great character. I'd love to see him, but I understand why they had to do it. But I'd rather be worried about stuff like that than right. like they made Gandalf trans or something. Right. So. Uh, all right. Sammy RN says, the concept of girl bosses irks me. I have always ranted about how much I dislike female superheroes because they always had such annoying personalities. Just be a normal human. Stop the narcissism. Yeah, like you can still be cool and have superpowers and like slay stuff or whatever it is that they do these days. But you don't have to be the worst human being ever. <laughs> They're so like snarky and like, oh gosh, they constantly have to demean other people around them. It's like a lot of the writing for like female doctors and medical dramas is, is similar to that. They have to be like a bitch for some reason. I don't understand. You could still be nice and be like all the things that you are. Hi. <laughs> uh, I feel like we're going on and on about girl bosses, but you guys are still submitting the the super chats about them. So apparently we you're, have a lot to we're say. all venting together today about this. We've hit a nerve. <laughs> uh, David Duarte Garcia says, do you think transgender women's beliefs that denigrate biological women are based on power dynamics and how can those power dynamics be challenged? Are they based on power dynamics? Um, well, I mean, yeah, in a sense it is. Like if you, if you are... A trans woman you believe that you are like the most oppressed among the entire bunch right so you, there's power in that whether they want to believe it or not so there there's a power dynamic there there's also this need to like assert your realness and deny the realness of other things in order to have the identity that you have so that's another power dynamic that's at play um but more so than anything i think it's just like reality bending that leads people to believe these things if if your position is that trans women are real women, you have to invalidate the realness of biological women. You have to invalidate things like birth. You have to invalidate things like uh, breastfeeding, or you have to like recreate them in some way, shape or form in order to make your assertion true. It becomes, I guess, accidentally misogynistic in that way because in order to validate yourself, you have to deny the other. Hmm. Yeah. So it's all and just one more thought on power dynamics too is like um if you are a man who is failing to ascend the hierarchy of competition among men uh then there is an incentive for you or an easy way out would be to just identify as a woman and now you're at the top of the hierarchy or in a place of dominance in a place of power that you would otherwise been unable to have attained to mm -hmm. so uh, that's another way that it could be in those circumstances um power dynamics involved but to almost point i think there is it also just in other domains there's uh just an, a war on truth itself and just a destabilizing you know of reality and and you have to undo some of these definitions in order to just get the chaos that you want so mm -hmm. uh let's see gremlin says what do you guys think about the pink tax companies raising prices on female directed products yeah i think it doesn't doesn't make sense. I, I will go, I, I don't know how true it is. Like I don't often go to stores and like compare the differences between women's and men's products. I don't know what the difference in manufacturing would be for, for said products. So I can't speak to like whether or not I agree or disagree with everything that's going on. But uh, if I found something that was cheaper and was a man's product, I would just buy the man's product. I, I don't know why there's like so many like gendered products. I think that's a hack that like corporations have figured out, right? If you make a, a man's razor or if you make a razor, right, which is just a razor, men and women can use that and you do a blue one and a pink one, suddenly you can like just market to two different types of people and people fall for it every time. I'll go and buy men's products at the store. 
not because they're cheaper, just because some of them like just work better. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'd have to look into the logistics of that. But if there was just like tried and true evidence that women's products were, were more expensive, one, it just sounds stupid uh, and maybe should be fixed or, or looked at, but also you can buy men's products. Now, if it's just exclusively women's products, like, you know, uh, feminine products and things like that, first of all, there'd be nothing to compare it to, for one, because men don't have those products. And, and two, maybe you should, uh, there should be companies that try to make it affordable. I generally think the market uh, makes space for these things. If you're a company that recognizes that there is a problem with what women are being charged, make a cheaper product that women are going to buy and they will flock to you. So... Well said. Yeah. Uh, I was going to chime in at the end, but you, I think you know that. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Alex says, you guys should watch Operation Lioness because Taylor Sheridan wrote that show too. There's some nudity, unfortunately, slash wokeness, but it's a great action show. I'll have to check it out. I do love the writing of Taylor Sheridan. He's very, very talented. As I said, That's I was a... like, that was the one where I was watching uh, 1883 and I'm like, oh my gosh, this writer really understands men and women. And I looked and I was like, Taylor Sheridan, a woman wrote this? And then I looked up a picture of him and it was a man. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I was all impressed. Like, oh my gosh, a woman really like understood these like male characters and really fleshed them out really well. And then it ended up being a man. It's not to say that women can't do it. I just thought I had, there was a win there. <laughs> yeah. And there Hold, wasn't. Holding it down for the Taylors. I like it. Yep. Uh, that's great. Alex, one more. Well, Thomas says uh, nothing, but sends a super chat. Thank, Thank you, you, Thomas B from somewhere in Europe. Uh, Alex Santeas says, why does Crazy Rachel look a lot like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? We don't claim either of them. Uh, yes, you know, I, I feel bad because Rachel is actually just wildly talented and I wish that that was at the forefront of much of the discussion of her career, but unfortunately it's not. Maybe she's got a comeback arc in her yeah, career maybe. after this. I mean, not that she's really struggling yet, but you know, uh, just in the PRS sense, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Gary, again, says it's amazing how Rachel Ziegler and Jenna Ortega are the complete opposites to one another. People need to more like to be more like Jenna. I do like Jenna Ortega. She seems like a very sweet uh, girl. and She seems chill, super smart. I like her. Mooney Mage says, I will always say they have they already have badass Snow White in Once Upon a Time. She fought to get her country back and she, the, and she and the prince save each other. Mm, I haven't seen Once Upon a Time. Although I think my sister, my little sister was a fan of that show, but I haven't watched it. Hmm. Um, Coach Sipping Jamba Juice says, 1975, bad year, worst band. You can catch me in 1955 with my trad wife. Trad okay. wife for life. <laughs> you know what? Fair enough. To each their <laughs> own. Okay? Creative. To each their own. Uh, Oatmeal says, here from Minnesota, just want to say I love your videos. Oh. I got to shout out my Minnesota brethren. Go Vikings, Skull Vikings. Nice. Uh, Mo Beats says, surprise, there's not more chat about Asimov's Foundation TV series. That's very different from the book and people are mad as hell. I have not heard about that. I don't even know what that is. What's, is that Isaac Asimov, the guy who wrote like iRobot? Am I remembering that correctly? Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I haven't heard about this TV series. Me neither. So that's a 
Well, sorry, guys. That's a random note to end on. Well, guys, thank you so much for chilling out with us today. Let me know what you think about the different things we talked about in the comments. Rachel Zegler, Snow White, all the different TikToks we went through. Matriarchy versus patriarchy. All this different stuff. Let me know your thoughts. As always, I encourage healthy debate. So do get out in the comments, but do so respectfully. And please like, subscribe. Click the notification bell to be notified every single time we're live. That's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Plus, we post videos for you guys every single day. So you don't want to miss that either, even though the YouTube notifications are not the most reliable. But uh, we'll, we'll leave that for another time. Guys, thank you so much for watching. And I'll see you tomorrow with a video about the soft bigotry of low expectations. Can't wait. Bye.